new on Curiosity Stream. I'm James Burke. I'm going to take you on a journey through time. James Burke's visionary series returns, reimagined for our time. Now, this is all uncharted territory. The Washington Post hails Burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the Western world. The New York Times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another. Where do we want to go from here? Experience all new connections. So what's the next connection? With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. We are back for the final strategy show of 2021. Yes, it is the final UFC card of 2021 before things get cranked up here in the new year. Of course, this is I am Jason Foy, as always, joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr. We are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight as we are here to break down UFC Vegas number 45, which goes down on Saturday afternoon at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, headlined by a heavyweight matchup, Derek Lewis. And Chris Dawkins. Also, co-main event is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, as we take it on Bilal Muhammad. Pete, it's always great to be here on a Thursday afternoon talking with you. Of course, uh, last week we had the shocker that uh, yeah, I didn't give Jessica uh, Juliana Peña much of a chance, but she goes in there and look. It's just another example. I mean, I, I mean, I, how many times we sit here and talk about this? This is a fight game. Anything can happen in this sport, and uh, last week is just another perfect example of it. Yeah, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in again. Last week was crazy. He was an excellent card. Um, yeah, one of the best upsets in, ever. Um, Juliana Pena goes out there unfazed against Amanda Nunes, matches some striking output and volume, tests the cardio of Amanda Nunes because Nunes really went out there really aggressive trying to finish the fight and somewhat backfired. Um, all in all, it was an exciting card. I wish I got to even more pain, obviously, because hindsight's 2020, but uh, <laughs> Dustin Poirier, you know, I was a little bit more aggressive on him going into the main event than uh, I probably should have been, but uh, Charles Oliveira, man, wow, what a performance. He looks absolutely incredible. I can't wait to see what the rest of the division, how it shapes out and, you know, what matchups uh, are set going forward. But again, we have a nice card. It's sad when you say it's the last card of the, of the year. It's just I don't like thinking of it like that. I, I like tons of fights. Yeah, of course. Uh, we got about uh, basically essentially a month break uh, after uh, this weekend. Of course, uh, me and Pete will be here on Saturday live before lock 1.30 p.m. Eastern time to get you ready for UFC Vegas 45. Uh, you know, before we kind of start breaking down the fights, obviously, as we do this show, FanDuel salaries are not out. DraftKings salaries are out. There, there's some kind of some of my initial thoughts looking at the DraftKings salary was, don't necessarily love the 9,000 options this week. You know, mm -hmm. there's some 9,000 options that, you know, I mean, if it's 9,000, I'm looking at you, you're scoring me a hundred points or more, but there are some interesting lines out there. There are two fights that I think you have to put in the, uh, do not trust the fighters in these matchups, but there are some interesting, I think potential value plays. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Cause I don't, I, I don't think that there's a lot of, uh, underdogs that I'm really backing this week which I think will create great discussion between us both. I feel like the underdogs, you're going to have to be very selective this week, whereas sometimes you see tons of live ones. But 
there are some value salaries out there and we'll get into it. I mean, I'm interested to see where you lie because this could be one of those weeks where we differ on opinions. And, you know, if you, you know, hit the correct combination or set your groups correctly, I think that you can be very profitable. Of course, main event heavyweight matchup, Derek Lucas, Luca Lewis, taking on Chris Dawkins, 7,900 for Derek Lewis, 8,300 for Chris Dawkins. So on Monday, when I looked at the betting odds, mm-hmm. I was initially kind of surprised by this number that Chris Dawkins is the betting favorite. This one minus 140 plus 120 for Derek Lewis. And, you know, I mean, look, it's Derek Lewis. We all know he, he's not a high volume guy. He's a guy that can, I mean, you think about that matchup against Alexander Volkov a couple of years ago where he's getting beat up for 14 minutes and 45 seconds. Then he lands one right hand fight is over. Uh, you know, obviously he's coming off a, just a, an awful performance uh, against gone earlier this year uh, for the interim title here. But like, I think about, about dogs in the situation, obviously you love the volume with him. Um, you know, maybe if, if you knew a little bit more about his wrestling ability, maybe you'd like him a little bit more in this spot. But I, I think why I like Chris Dawkins in this spot is potentially just, you know, his ability to kind of move around that volume. But, man, if you do put Chris Dawkins in your lineup, you do understand that, you know, Derek Lewis can throw that right hand any moment in, in, his, in his night. Yeah, so I view this um, this matchup as like a, a must-have for a lot of my lineups just because I think – that the tide can be turned very quickly from Derek Lewis, his big explosive power, um, the volume and the uh, combinations of Chris Dawkins, I think can, you know, pose problems for a lot of fighters within this division, especially if Dawkins can start to target the body of Derek Lewis. Um, you, you start really getting Derek Lewis uh, to drop his hands a little bit, testing that cardio. He has been susceptible to body shots throughout his career. Um, but I think the, the, uh, the card up his sleeve is the jujitsu and, and wrestling aspect that we haven't really seen in the, in the UFC on the regional scene. You have seen Dawkins pin some fighters against the cage, um, maintaining a good underhook, not necessarily going for a double leg takedown, which will leave you susceptible to those Travis Brown type of knockout losses. Um, but you know, lacing that leg, incorporating trips and takedowns. And I honestly think that if Dawkins goes out there and doesn't view this as a striking matchup with a power explosive puncher, not trying to really impress the fans too much, if he goes out there with a well-rounded game plan, I like Dawkins at 8,300. Regardless, Derek Lewis, one of the best values on the slate, given his explosive knockout power and ability. But I'm picking Dawkins to win, and I think it's going to come via grappling. Uh, You know, Derek Lewis recklessly stands back to his feet, and it works, right? It works, but I don't think mm-hmm. that he has the best cardio within the division. Uh, I think that Dawkins, you know, being a little trimmer for the weight class can work in his advantage. Probably Derek Lewis be able to get to his feet several times, which could, you know, boost the takedown totals of, of Dawkins en route to a finish via ground and pound or uh, a submission. But I think the best path to fighting Derek Lewis is testing that grappling. And it's no secret. You get him there. He's not the same fighter, but many have tried and many have failed. So all in all, I'll be creating a group, making sure that I get one of these guys in my lineup, but I am leaning in Dawkins. I'm picking him to win. The thing that's always concerning to me about Derek Lewis is the injury aspect. And I mean, look, he's he's talked about over years, especially with his back. That's always concerning me. But man, you know, you, we do know that power that he does have in his right hand. Of course, this is the also MMA strategy show. Of course, be sure 
to subscribe to Osmo right here on YouTube so you can get access to all the great shows that we have on here, DFS offers, giveaways, and so much more. And if you're not a member of Osmo Plus, today's free premium data and tools are Thursday night football player rankings, NBA player projections, and NHL player projections as well. Now, the co-main event, Stephen Thompson taking on below Muhammad. It's 9,100 for Wonder Boy. For Muhammad, he is 7,100. And, you know, Blow Muhammad is a guy that he's been on a, a great streak, but the fact is they're against fighters that just are not in the top 10. You know, he did have that win against Damian Mai here, but it's that puzzle of Stephen Thompson. And I feel like there is no one better to talk about the puzzle of Stephen Thompson from a guy that, well, you have a lot of similar traits. I, I appreciate that. That's a great compliment. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, Stephen Thompson's a fighter I've looked up to. Uh, throughout my entire life, uh, from the kickboxing scene, the karate scene to MMA. I, I've been following him extensively. And uh, yeah, I, I love Stephen Thompson, my favorite fighter. Um, you know, dealing with somebody who is so good at distance management is a very difficult po- uh, puzzle to solve because they're evasive, they're long, they, they move around. Thompson has great footwork. There are times when he will engage a little too much and just stay in the pocket. Uh, it's a matter of timing Thompson on his way in to catch him with a big shot. But the one Achilles heel that we have seen, and I know that he's made strides over the years, is his takedown defense. And it's it's obviously matchup dependent. If Thompson's on the outside and he's picking you apart, obviously you're probably not going to be able to, you know, incorporate takedowns. Uh, you know, a Jeff Neal fight, like I think that was a great matchup for Thompson. We called that because Neal was willing to engage on the feet. Vicente Luque has grappling and wrestling in his back pocket, but he loves to strike. Gilbert Burns presented a new wrinkle and went out there and says, I'm just going to crowd you. You're going to crowd the kicker. You're going to crowd the karate fighter. And when you do that, it opens up a lot. So I told you that before the show, there's an underdog that is going to surprise you. And it's a surprise to me, but I'm picking Bilal Muhammad to, to beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And the reason is, is the grappling of Bilal Muhammad is pretty similar to Gilbert Burns. I think that he has better wrestling, uh, less effective jujitsu, but the wrestling of Bilal Muhammad, I think can definitely, you know, win some rounds for him. And Thompson doesn't show the best, like technical ways of getting back to his feet and getting out of bad uh, position. So Bilal Muhammad can trade on the feet, has power to drop Stephen Thompson. It's going to break my heart because I'm rooting for Stephen Thompson, despite my brain telling me that Bilal Muhammad's going to walk away with the upset. You know, I mentioned about these 9,000 options, you mm-hmm. know, not loving this week. And, and Stephen Thompson, just because I do feel like this is a fight that has a 15-minute recipe on it. 9,100, I just don't know. I mean, unless we're talking about, you know, multiple knockdowns by Stephen Thompson, I don't know what the path is to him getting a hundred points in a 15 minute decision win. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to happen. So like for a betting perspective, if you don't want to bet on this fight, by all means, don't bet on it because it's a tricky one. And betting against the guy with a unique style is, is a recipe for disaster. And, you know, but for DFS alone, I can look at Steven Thompson and say, if he does not get a knockout, he's not going to pay off that 9,100 salary because, uh, just the way that DraftKings scoring is, I mean, in a three-round decision against Vicente Luque, where he got a knockdown, uh, landed 138 significant strikes, he scored 96. So, I mean, unless he goes out there and it's one-way traffic and completely dismantles Bala Muhammad, 
I don't really see how at 9,100 he pays off. He's, you know, very selective with his output, which is good because he's efficient. But at the same time, sometimes you're, you're not doing enough. If a guy's pressing you, you know, backwards and landing shots and testing your takedown defense, a, a guy in Bilal Muhammad, I think for DFS, one of the best uh, underdogs on the slate. I was not expecting you to that to be your upset pick. I know there was, some, told- there was a couple other options that yeah. kind of had in my mind there. I, mean, I don't hate it. I mean, I, I, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that what concerns me about Muhammad is just that we haven't seen him do it against the elite of this division. That that's my only cause for concern with that one. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's tough to trust somebody until you've seen it. And I think that's where, well, he hasn't done it yet. Sometimes I like to be a little bit early on calls rather than late. Um, and I think a Bilal Muhammad over the years has trained with a lot of people that can replicate the style of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, um, training a lot alongside the, the Pettis brothers over the time, uh, training also with a lighter guy in Yair Rodriguez. Obviously, weight classes are completely different, but the stylistic sparring rounds that you can get, you can sit there and kind of think back to those rounds of what I can do and what I can't do. I guarantee it. They've been getting looks of some of these unique fighters within the camp. And there are some other fighters that Bilal Muhammad trains with that. I think not, you know, you need a specialist like a Raymond Daniels to come in like Tyron Woodley did to prepare for Stevie wonder boy Thompson. But I think that Bilal's, you know, skill set and experience within the training room with some of these guys, I think it's going to pay off. So it's the biggest upset on the card for me. And uh, I'm kind of surprising myself, but that's what I'm going with. Look, Raymond Daniels has made a lot of money being sure brought has. in as a trading partner for someone fighting Stephen Thompson. Like, I feel like Raymond Dale should like, he should be like sending a Christmas card every year to Stephen yeah. Thompson saying, Hey bro, thank you. You've made me a lot of money. I had to fight you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they actually did fight uh, in the WCL and uh, I was really looking forward to that. And Stephen Warner boy Thompson ended up blowing his knee. Uh, like as soon as the 30 seconds or a minute into the fight or whatnot, but those two stylistically clashing is something that would be amazing. Put MVP in the race with that. Those three strikers. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. And of course we'll talk more about that fight on Saturday on live before lock. Next up, we got a female matchup at 115 pounds, man, Lamos taking on Angela Hill, Lamos 9,500, 6,700 for Angela Hill, man, in terms of cash, Pete, Angela Hill st- sticks out to me. Yeah. So it's a same thing as like last week, right? Where Juliana Pena, I said that she was so like so cheap that it almost makes sense. Even in a loss, uh, this is where even in a loss, Angela Hill outside of getting knocked out at 6,700, her volume alone could end up paying off that price tag. So I'll have some lineups with Angela Hill, even though my faith isn't the best. Uh, she'll have the volume edge over Amanda Lamosh. It's a matter of can she handle the power and even the grappling in the back pocket of Amanda Lamosh, like a, a fighter in Angela Hill, strong in the clinch, good Muay Thai weakness always is being on her back throughout her career. She has improved over the years for sure, but it's a little bit different when you have somebody who's legitimate on the ground on top of you. Uh, I think the price tag's a little hefty at 9,500 for arguably the biggest step up in Lamosh's career. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, uh, knockouts against Conejo, Souza, Mizuki. Granger, like I mean, like you know what I mean, like all these wins over those fighters. Hill's the biggest name. Hill is easily the biggest name, and an Angela Hill upset wouldn't really surprise me because she's battle tested. She's fought several fighters. 
that are, you know, completely dangerous, but at the same time, she does have significant amount of losses. So with that experience comes losses, comes learning, comes improvement. And, uh, I'm still picking Amanda Lamos to win the fight, but for DFS, you have to have Angela Hill in some lineup. So she's just too cheap. She allows you to get to everybody. And if it's a three round decision, I feel like that flexibility allows you to pay up for some of these awesome fighters. Yeah, I mean, I was even thinking, like, you know, if this is a high-volume 15-minute fight, more looking at it from a cash aspect than it was a GPP aspect, I'm like, Angela Hill might get you 50 points. Yeah, that's and, a, I mean. You know, and, and so that that's kind of what my thought. I mean, look, mm-hmm. Lemos, it's a, it's a step up in competition. You know, when you look at who she's fought in the UFC outside of her last fight, the rest of the fighters are not in the UFC anymore. And, and so – and. And I was before we started the show. I was listening to Angela Hill's uh, media interview yesterday, and she was talking about, "Look, I'm the best striker that Lamos has ever fought." And so, yeah. I, 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 the price. I talked about at the beginning of the show about you know, in, you know, my first thoughts of seeing about the salaries. Lamos was like my first one. Like, good lord, ninety five hundred. Like, yeah. at that price tag, she's got to finish Angela Hill to pay yeah, off I that mean, price. Yeah, or or she really just kind of goes the grappling route a little bit more than she has in the past because she's getting matched on the feet or outpointed on the feet. That's yeah. the only thing like takedowns can really sway DFS scores like crazy takedowns. And now we have control time where it's, you know, like all of that boosts grapplers. So there are different paths to victory for Amanda Lamos making it into the optimal lineup, but it's a rich price tag in a volatile division. Uh, women's MMA overall, you see upsets happen a little bit more out uh, more often uh, and against a battle-tested Angela Hill. I don't hate the underdog call. Like I said, I'm getting to a little bit of Angela Hill, but I am picking Lamos to win the fight. Yeah, Angela Hill is is that underdog guy I'm looking at this week, and a lot of it is due to the price point that is there. Of course, uh, you do want to take advantage of the great offer we got going on right now during this show, and if you're a new user of Also Plus Platinum, you got to take advantage of the promo code that we have for you. That's MMA Strategy Show, all caps, one word, MMA Strategy Show for 25% off your first week of Also Plus Platinum. And, of course, if you're just looking for an MMA pass, you can get that as low as $2.95 weekly. Stop guessing, start winning. Join Awesome O Plus today. Get uh, some of those great tools that we have over there, especially on the MMA side of the equation. That Top Fire tool is a tool that I use. And, of course, when I'm creating my basketball lineups, I got to go in that ownership perspective, ownership mm-hmm. projections, player projections to help create my lineups. I'll be doing that later on today for uh, for NBA. Let's move on to the next matchup. We have got uh, you know up-and-coming guy in Ricky Simone taking on the guy that's been around a long time in Rafael Asuncao. And this was another fight where I, I initially saw the betting odds. And I was like, whoa, man, that's that's kind of a big number there. Uh, Ricky at one point this week was like minus 280. Uh, he's 9,200 on DraftKings, 7,000 for Asuncao. And so, you know, the one thing that, Pete, I went back and I started looking at was Ricky Simone's takedowns in the UFC. So if you look at this three-fight winning streak that he has been on, Against Ray Borg, he was 7 for 11. Against Perello, he was 7 of 10. Against Kelleher, he was 6 of 9. Uh, and most notably in that Kelleher fight, he had eight minutes of control time. So obviously that's something from a DK perspective. The only fight in the UFC he has not scored a takedown in was his fight against Uriah Faber. Of course, he lost early on in that fight. These are his takedowns landed in the UFC. 14, 2, which was against, against Marab. 7 against Montel Jackson. Four against Hanayaya, six against Font, seven against Borg, seven against Perella, six against Kelher. So then I had to go over to the Raphael Sunsell side of the equation. 
He has only had to defend one takedown in his last four fights. He was able to stop that one. That was against Corey Sanhagen. Matthew Lopez is the last fighter to take this one down. So as I look at the salaries, Pete, to me, it just comes down to, do you think that Ricky Simone can score six, seven takedowns, get the control time to ultimately pay off that price point? I, I do think that he should be the favorite this one. Do I think it's a little high? Yes, I think it's a little high. But you are talking about a much older Bantamweight in Rafael Sunset, 39 years old. Yeah, it's a good point. I think the odds are a little wide, just given the the legitimate um, resume of Rafael Sunsau. Uh, this is a, a nice win for Ricky Simone if he could pick it up over a big name. Uh, the takedowns, you know, they, they, they come pretty frequently for Ricky Simone. His work rate's great. His wrestling, I think, is some of the most impressive next to Marab in the game right now. Like, it's just crazy. He, he really chains it together well. Um, he has some good submission skills as well. His boxing is not bad at all. Uh, he loads up a little bit on the feet. I'm interested to see these uh, striking exchanges between the two. Rafael Sunsau battle-tested for sure. He has been susceptible to getting finished more so late than ever. Um, knockout loss to Cody Garbrandt. How does he return off of that? Uh, because I'll tell you, Ricky Simone can can crack and can test that chin of his. Uh, a submission loss to Marlon Marais. So I'm interested in Ricky Simone at 9,200. Obviously, uh, on the slate, he looks like he has the best some of the best upside. He has that Kamar Usman, Kobe Covington type of upside, but Rafael Sunsau is no slouch on the ground. He he can threaten you with submissions. I just think that an overpowering top game fighter in Ricky Simone can avoid a lot of that. Uh, obviously, fatigue is something that will test and make a coward out of everybody. And we don't always know how good of shape or the work rate because if Ricky Simone goes out there too hot in round one, how does it look as the fight progresses? But 9,200, Ricky Simone, best upside on the slate, in my opinion. I like him here, despite Rafael Sunsau's legitimate you know, resume. I'm going to have to pick Ricky Simone in the fight. But if you tell me Rafael Sunsau squeaks out a decision over Ricky Simone, I wouldn't be too, too surprised. I just don't know, like, would he really become part of the optimal if this is a, a decision win for uh, Rafael Sunsau? Yeah, I mean, you, know, you look at, uh, let me, I'll preface this to you. How concerned are you? that Ricky leaves his neck open going for a takedown. I am. I am always concerned about that with guys that shoot a lot of double legs. Um, because if you are facing a good guy that can get you in that, you know, front headlock position, if you, they sprawl on you, or if you have, you, you know, you keep your neck out there and they just wrap you up. Armin guillotine is one of the best finishes encounters to a, a double leg takedown. So Rafael Sunsau has the skill set. age, is a concern for me for Rafael Sanzao. But mm. if this was, say, Rafael Sanzao five years ago, I would probably be picking him in the matchup. So, like I said, the odds are a little too wide for my liking. There are fighters that are on the upward trajectory, like a Ricky Simone, and fighters who are starting to lose their stride in a Rafael Sanzao. So, uh, timing's everything. And I do think that the UFC knows what they're doing. This is a test, but Ricky Simone should pass it. I think when you look at, at Ricky Simone, I do think this is going to go 15 minutes. So you got to mm -hmm. look at these decision wins that he's had uh, in two of his last three fights have been decision wins. Of course, he won three in a row against Kelher. He scored 98 points on DraftKings. He had 45 significant strikes landed, 72 total strikes landed, 
six takedowns, eight minutes and 14 seconds of control time. You look at his decision win against Ray Borg, 67 significant strikes, seven takedowns, five minutes and 23 seconds of control time, 93 total strikes landed for 107 points. So I think that, you know, my mindset is looking at Ricky as, okay, to me, he's got to get in that six to seven takedown range in a 15-minute decision to pay off the price tag. Yeah, I mean, it's also dependent on the other fights, right? Like, we we could have a low-scoring night. We'll see. But um, I think that Ricky Simone, of the 9,000 options, he looks like one of the safest, given his upside and a high floor. Of course, let's move on to the next matchup. We have got Diego Fajaya. He'll be taking on Gamrot here in this one. Of course, uh, Diego Fajaya, he, uh, you know, one of the most, I think, one more interesting things uh, listening to him this week is talking about his nine-hour drive down from the Rio Grande up to Dallas to train there at Fortis MMA. He's 7,700. Gamrot, 8,500 in this situation. This is a, it's an interesting lightweight matchup. Um, you know, I, I do favor Gamrot though in this one. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I like a Mataj Gamrot in this fight because I think there is a, a little bit of a blueprint against Diego Fajaya. If you put him on his back, obviously you have to be mindful and careful about his excellent Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. But um, I think that off of his back, he can lose rounds and you saw that against Benil Dariush and most recently against Gregor Gillespie who with strong top position and incorporating a ground and pound it seems like a stylistic nightmare for Diego Fajaya now given this is a very very big step up in competition for Mataj Gamrat debuting against Guram uh, Kudaladze he scored five takedowns and his cardio seemed to be tested throughout because Guram has actually some some decent takedown defense. I mean, Mataj only went five of 16. So that that's an impressive work rate for Mataj. And you've heard amazing things from him inside of American top team. At least I have, um, he's a main training partner of, of some of the elite at American top team. Uh, but what he did to Scott Holtzman, um, getting a second round finish and what he did to Jeremy Stevens, <laughs> take him, take him down within a minute time and, and submit him with a, a Kimura is absolutely impressive. So, I think that a guy in Mataj Gamrot, as long as his cardio checks out, I think he's going to go out there and pick up the biggest name on his resume to date. So at 8,500, he's another guy who has that ragdoll takedown city avenue. It's just a matter of being selective with it so he doesn't get taken advantage of from a Diego Fajaya. Next up, we've got Cub Swanson taking on Darren Elkins, 8,800 for Cubs, 7,400 for Elkins. Of course, uh, we, we all know the story with Darren Elkins. It's tattoo. Guy takes a lot of damage, but he can, I mean, he's durable. I mean, that's, that's the one thing I think about. This guy can keep coming. Um, you know, I like cubbing the fight overall, but man, like Darren Elkins, if you told me Darren Elkins gets beat up for 13 minutes and somehow pulls off a submission win in, in the final minute of the fight, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. So Darren Elkins, one of the best underdogs on the slate, given his floor, but I am picking Cub Swanson. And the reason I'm picking Cub Swanson is because I've trained sparred Cub Swanson. I know the striking that he presents. He's very explosive, very powerful. Um, and when he hits you, it's a, it's a little different. And I think that uh, Darren Elkins, he, he wears damage given his nickname. He's like a walking punching bag that just does not stop chasing you around the cage. But I think in certain matchups, there's, there's going to be some strikers that can really take advantage of that and sit you on your butt. I think Cub Swanson is one of those guys, man. I'm telling you, he's explosive. He's been working on his hands extensively. 
the Achilles heel of Cub Swanson is, is obviously taking him down and testing his jujitsu because he can get submitted, but he also like taps relatively, relatively quickly, which is mm-hmm. as the fight goes on and it becomes more of a dog fight. You like that to, you know, in the Darren Elkins corner, like you, you like to let's test his will. Let's test his will go out there, you know, start to try to strangle him and, and see if we can get him out of there because Cub Swanson could be winning this fight for the large majority. And Darren Elkins just being the dog that he is pushes the pace, you know, starts to chain takedowns, uh, tries to put Cub Swanson on his back and pulls off another miraculous victory. So this is a fight that I will be prioritizing, to be honest, I'm picking Cub Swanson because of the knockout upside, but Darren Elkins is work rate and his grappling could be the difference maker here. So this is a, a, a necessity for me. Might help to know who the referee is. True. In knowing, are they? I wish we knew ahead of time, Jason. Honestly, imagine if we knew judges ahead of time and referees, you know, assigned to fights. That would be a a wrinkle where we could find trends and and know how certain. It's almost like when you're a pitcher and you you know the strike zone of certain umpires. New on Curiosity Stream. I'm James Burke. I'm going to take you on a journey through time. James Burke's visionary series returns, reimagined for our time. Now this is all uncharted territory. The Washington Post hails Burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the Western world. The New York Times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another. Where do we want to go from here? Experience all new. Connections. So what's the next connection? With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at CuriosityStream.com. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on prize picks. The most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players... Pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Like th- there's things like there's certain referees like if you told me Herb Dean was the referee for this one, he might let Darren Elkins die. <laughs> yeah, but Darren Elkins, man, he he'll he'll pull the Undertaker and come you know back to life and end up pulling off a, then, a victory like he did against Prasad. But then there's some referees that sometimes they have the quick trigger, and there's times they're like, "No, nah, man, I, I want to see you get beat up a little bit more." Chris Tyone, one of those referees. Like there's yeah. times where like God, oh man, I can't think of um, Trevin Jones beat uh, Timur Valiev. Yeah, Valiev, Valiev beating the crap out of him in the that, first round, and I then lost all money of a sudden, on that fight. <laughs> things turn around, and like I'm like, man, he had a quick trigger to pull to to call this fight in the second round. Where was that in the first round? I had all these lineups yeah. with Timur Valiev in it. <laughs> yeah, because he screwed up the first time, probably got chewed out. Uh, by by whoever's in charge of the commission and then it was like all right i'm not making the same mistake twice and unfortunately it resulted in the in uh timar valiev losing that fight but yeah man it's crazy imagine if we did know that i think it would help a lot 
Yeah. Uh, next up, we got Stolfus taking on Mearshart. Mearshart has been on a, a great roll here after getting knocked out by Chemayev. He's 9,000 in this spot. Stolfus is 7,200. I do like Mearshart in this spot. Look, Mearshart, with this guy, he's he's a boom-bust fire. There's no question about it. When this guy wins, he's likely get, going out there getting a submission, and he's getting you 100 points. Yeah, so I like Mearshart as well. Um, not sure if I like it so, so much for DFS, but... I like Mearshart in the fight. And the reason is, is because if people are willing to take down Mearshart, it's almost like you're, you're going into his strength where it's, yeah. you know, grappling reversals, hunting the neck. He has some of the best submission skills I've seen in a, in a while. Like he's, he's part of that upper category of submission skilled artists and uh, Dustin Stolzfus relatively disappointing. And he's let me down. Uh, he got, you know, taken down and submitted against Hadolfo Vieira where, Hadolfo had that embarrassing performance against uh, Anthony Hernandez and turned it around. And uh, you saw the skill set of Hadolfo Vieira and a strong grappler with a good top game, what he could do to a guy in Dustin Stolzfus, who's supposed to be a strong wrestler and grappler himself. I'm, I'm siding with Gerald Mearshart. I do think that uh, a lot of recency bias, especially if people just remember the Chamaya fight, they're not too, they're not too impressed with Mearshart and they're going to, you know, get a little bit desperate and finding an underdog to come through and, Stolzfist to me is just not the guy. I'm out on the Stolzfist business. I like Mearshart 9,000 submission skills, striking skills. Um, he, I think that he's just battle tested as well. So give me the guy with nearly 90% submission uh, victories via submission. So 9,000, I like Mearshart quite a bit. He's my favorite 9,000 option. That makes sense. You know, there's other, there's another 9,000 option that, you know, I, I do kind of like his odds. But to me, the one that I feel the most comfortable with would be Gerald Mershart uh, coming up here. Of course, this is the also MMA strategy show. We are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. With Monkey Knife Fight, you are in charge. Head over to monkeyknifefight.com to get started. Be sure to use the promo code AWESOMO to get a first match deposit of up to $100. Their player prop-based contests are easy to play and have a low commitment. And, of course, you can use our player props tool to make the best decision four years and when we look at those player prop tools and player uh or props for this one main event kyle Dawkins or chris Dawkins, excuse me and Derek lewis Dawkins, 38 and a half 20 and a half for lewis obviously lewis is not a high output guy I, i'm looking at the double more in this situation just okay. because i think it's going to take more than 38 or 39 38 strikes to potentially get a stoppage win against Derek lewis so i like a double more in this situation because 20 and a half is such a low number, especially this fight. If it makes to the third round, I'd be shocked if Derek Lewis hasn't landed 20 shots at that point. Yeah. It's a matter of if these guys can take that many shots and, you know, taking 20 shots from, from uh, Derek Lewis is something that I wouldn't recommend for most people, but it's a fight. <laughs> and as long as you keep your chin tucked, your chin down, bite down on that mouthpiece, think that you can be all right. I mean, even Derek Lewis throws some explosive kicks and knees and all that stuff. So I, uh, I will say double more as well. Um, the Chris Dawkins, I think his volume alone, that's that's an absolute more lock, you know, even if he does change together some takedowns. Then we have got uh, the co-main event, Muhammad 79 and a half, Stephen Thompson 63 and a half. This number really stuck out to me. Um, obviously, Stephen Thompson can be hard to hit, but if below Muhammad can score those takedowns, I can see him racking number. I'm at, I'm at a less on Muhammad, and uh, I will go more on Stephen Thompson. I'm going to say double less, and it's how I, I'm predicting the fight to go. I think that uh, 
Bilal will, will, you know, on the outside, they're going to be very tentative. And then Bilal is going to look to duck under a blitz from, from Stephen Thompson, especially if it's something off of his backhand. And then it's going to result in a lot of clinching and grappling. Uh, at least that's how I'm, I'm predicting the fight to go. And uh, I don't think that Bilal will risk too much ground and pound because then, you know, he'll only have one hand, one arm and one hand controlling Stephen Wonderboy, Wonderboy Thompson. I think he's going to look to really just ride him out and try to win a decision. So I'll say double S. Of course. Uh, be sure to check out Monkey Knife Fight and be sure to use that promo code also to get a first uh, get a first match deposit bonus of up to $100. Next up, we have got Barcelos taking on Henry Barcelos. He is 9300 6900 for Henry. Obviously, Henry, uh, you know, young guy here stepping up uh, to take on Barcelos. Uh, what's your thoughts? So first off, on the underdog here, obviously, uh, very low price tag here for him. I love the skill set of Victor Henry. Like, I really do. I, I think that he can test a lot of people and even Howney Barcelos in this fight, it's just, it's a very difficult debut. And a lot of fighters debuting on short notice have a, a hard enough time dealing with all the media, all the, 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 the intricacies of the UFC. And, and it's a big deal to make your UFC debut, debut. It's a big deal to make weight on short notice. In addition to that, it's difficult to have a, a uh, strong performance against one of the best prospects, even though he's not necessarily labeled a prospect. Honey Barcelo is one of my favorite fighters to watch. And for some time now, I think he's one of the most underappreciated fighters within the UFC. So with all that being said, it just seems like a very, very difficult task where Victor Henry against most fighters in his debut, I'd probably be picking Victor Henry to pull off the upset. It's just a little too much. I think the Henry Barcelo is going to his grappling, his striking. He's aggressive. He uh, is powerful. So where Victor Henry would really have a lot of advantages with his slick jujitsu and even his aggressive striking at times, uh, I think Howney Barcelos will have the answer for all of it. So 9,300, I love Howney Barcelos, especially against a debuting fighter because Howney has fought legitimate competition, a fight against Timur Valiev, um, you know, Nurmagomedov victory, Taha victory, Joaquin Gutierrez, like there are massive points in this matchup, in my opinion. It's just a matter of if Howney's gas tank checks out, and I think it will. Then we got a heavyweight matchup. Taffa taking a Hunsaker. Taffa, 9,400, 6,800 for Hunsaker. You know, look, there's there's fights that get made that, to me, is clearly the UFC is trying to get a win for somebody. And to me, this is that matchup with Justin Taffa. Um, Harry Hunsaker is a guy that I remember being at a fight of his back in 2019. And um, he ended up getting a win that night against Billy Swanson. If Billy Swanson got a win that night. There was going to be a big push to get him a fight against Jake Hager and Bellator. That obviously did not happen here. Um, he, he's a guy that, quite frankly, I'm surprised the UFC brought him in here. But to me, this is a clear A side and B side of the fight here. But, you know, it's heavyweight MMA. Um, and I think if you're Hunsinger, it's just, you know, I can't get, you can't get to a kickboxing matchup here. I think Hunsucker just has like two and a half minutes to catch, you know, Tafa while he's cold. And I think that's going to be a little difficult to do. 9,400 price tag on Tafa is absolutely like disgusting. I like it's such a bad price tag because he hasn't really shown, you know, skills to, to pay off that. Like he can get a knockout win for sure, but it's heavyweight MMA. How many shots are really going to land? And, 
If you have a low output and resulting in a first round finish, what do you get? 100, 100 flat points, 104, similar to how he did against uh, Adams. Um, so I don't know. I, I like him to win the fight. I think he will end up knocking out uh, Hunsucker. I think this is a clear A side, B side, as you mentioned. It's just a matter of points. But raw points could be a thing here where if we have some disappointing victories or more decisions, mm. that 105 raw points from Justin Taffa could end up making its way into the optimal, just given the results of the rest of the fights. No question about it. It's it's a fight that you know you, you don't love to get to, but I do kind of feel like it's heavyweight MMA, and the reality is probably someone's getting finished yeah. uh, in this one. Next up, we got a female matchup. We got Eubanks taking on Gato, 8,700 for Sajara, 7,500 for Gato. What's your take, Pete? Yeah, so this is where this is one where I'll have some exposure to Gato. Um, I, I do like the skill set of Eubanks. It's just over the years, we have known that Eubanks is inconsistent, sometimes inconsistent with her weight cut, which is something we'll have to pay attention to because I feel like some opinions could change on some of these fighters given weight, you know, weigh in day. Um, her volume also. So sometimes she'll have significant volume in one round um, or mediocre volume where people can somewhat outpoint her. I think that Eubanks possesses a well rounded skill set, all the potential in the world. It's just a matter of putting all the pieces together. I think that she will do it, but I'm telling you, as far as an underdog, you could do worse than Melissa Gatto. I know that Gatto has one performance in the UFC, and it's against some of the lowest competitions in uh, Victoria Leonardo, uh, where she scored a second round TKO, 70 significant strikes, takedown. Her grappling is good, but Eubanks really excels in that department. Um, Eubanks is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Gato is aggressive and could force the hand of Eubanks. And if Eubanks doesn't, you know, up the volume, you could see Gato steal a decision here. Um, but I am I'm favoring Eubanks to win the fight. I think it's the safe way to go. It's just the volatility of every Eubanks fight. Just include Gato in your underdog pool. Next up, we've got Charles Jordan taking on Andre Ull. Andre Ull, 7,300. Jordan, 8,900. And the stat that sticks out to me in terms of this fight is the major reach advantage that Andre Ull will have in this one, yeah. a six-inch reach advantage. Man, I tell you what, I want to be out of the Charles Jordan business. Like, I want to. I want to <laughs> stop picking this guy. And the reason I want to stop picking this guy is because his gas tank is pretty poor. His grappling is pretty poor. His fight IQ is pretty poor. But the issue is he's fighting Andre Ull, who is essentially a bantamweight who just over the course of the past couple of fights, taking catch weights and whatnot. Now he's up at 145 pounds. I feel like despite the, the length of Andre Ull, it's a little bit difficult dealing with the power of a weight class up. And when you were just knocked out against a Julio Arce, who is a very talented boxer, very talented striker who packs a punch. Now you're going up against another heavy hitter in Charles Jordan. Now, given the volatility of Jordan, could I see him losing? Yeah, I could because up until I realized that you know, Andre Yule was bumping up a weight class, I liked him to somewhat outpoint Jordan, uh, Charles Jordan here. But I can't trust Yule at this point. Um, I think they're both not good on the ground. Um, I think that Charles Jordan is going to test the chin of Andre Yule. Mm -hmm. So, with all that being said, as much as I want to be out of the business of Jordan at 8,900, he seems like somewhat of a priority just given how he goes for it. And he does have power and he does have unique combinations. So 
as much as I hate it, I'm picking Jordan and he'll probably end up in the optimal lineup. Yeah, Jordan is just somebody you hate to trust here. But you know, you got Andre Ull moving up 10 pounds. I think that's something kind of interesting to put in there. Um, Andre Ull has simply been a guy that we have seen go into the decision throughout his career. Uh, next up, we have got a matchup that is now at 145 pounds, was initially at 135. Uh, Raquel Pennington taking on Macy Chase on. Raquel Pennington, 8,400. Chase on, 7,800. Uh, I mean, look, if you told me that there was one side of this fight that wanted to fight up at 145, I'd probably tell you it's on the Macy Chase on side. Um, so I think that the bump up in weight is going to benefit her. Uh, in this equation, Raquel Pennington, I just wonder how much of this, you know, when you talk about takedown city, I wonder if this could be one of the fighters potentially look at here this week. Um, yeah. So of the underdogs, I think Macy needs to be included in your underdog pool, just given the skill set in comparison to some of these other fighters. Uh, I think that uh, fighting Raquel Pennington, who's done it all and outside of like winning amazing fights so like she has beaten a lot of people within the ranked you know the rankings so i think raquel pennington has a solid game plan of beating most people it's uh aggressive combinations and most of the time it's pinning you against the cage to wall install essentially uh sometimes going the takedown route um dealing with a fighter in macy chasson who is a larger frame fighter for the division could end up posing some problems for a fighter in raquel pennington who on the distance, Chasson, if she utilizes, you know, straight shots, uh, pumping out that jab, keeping her at bay, she could, you know, pull off the victory here and it wouldn't be the most surprising thing. So a lot of underdogs I don't like this week. There's one that I'm I'm picking and that is uh, Bilal Muhammad, but there are several that I will have an underdog uh, pool made on awesome.com using a fantasy cruncher tool. And Macy Chasson is one of them that I'm, I'm not unclicking. So I expect Raquel Pennington to go in there and do the same thing she's done in most fights, win a boring fight against the cage. But Chasson has all the skills and a strong coaching staff behind her to end up countering that game plan of uh, Raquel Pennington. Yeah, Macy will definitely be in my underdog pool this week. Uh, you know, at 7,800, you know, look, it is women's MMA. The likelihood is this thing is going to go 15 minutes. So I think that's something to put in your consideration there. Of course, on Saturday night after UFC 269, I uh, love going on my Twitter handle, looking at my mention and seeing those screenshots and people trying to get into the Awesome Hall of Fame. Of course, the way to get into Awesome Hall of Fame is to be rocking that Awesome Avatar on your DFS profile. Place at the top three of a contest with over 5,000 contestants. Tweet your wins to at Awesome HOF. You'll win a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum. Only one free month can be awarded to a user per calendar year and seeing some of the latest people going into the awesome hall of fame sg finishing in third in the DraftKings mini max congratulations there over on the nba side of the thing also uh kevin taking down first place in nba mini max contest there over on DraftKings. jordan taking down first place sixty two thousand dollars kudos to you there what you were able to do there uh seth uh taking down first place there in nba contest as well uh jason stone taking down first place in an nba contest winning or nfl contest winning six thousand dollars and uh there you see easy money taking down first place win over thirteen thousand dollars so congratulations to everyone that's gone into the awesome hall of fame over the past couple of days now pete we have two more fights to break down here and let's just put these in the category of <laughs> I don't trust any of them. Uh, yeah. Dante Mays versus Josh Parisian. Dante Mays 8600, Josh Parisian 7600. I'm scared to say this Pete, but I feel like 
This might be a fight you have to have in your lineup. Yeah, too. Me too. It's ugly. It's ugly down here. But uh, these the first two fights definitely have potential of making it into the optimal lineup, just given the volatility of of all four fighters. So Dante Mays against Josh Parisian, um, completely ugly. I think that Parisian has some notable wins on his career uh, where he is a little tricky to deal with. Uh, he's just so wonky and weird that his combinations tend to land. I think that he's susceptible of getting knocked out or, or finished in, in, in any way, but he seems to kind of deal with adversity decently well, where he can just make fights ugly. Um, he kind of reminds me of like a Darren Elkins, which is not a good thing, <laughs> but uh, you know, you have on the other side, uh, Dante Mays, who again can get finished as well, get finished via ground and pound or submissions. Ah, man. I'm actually picking Dante Mays to win the fight, but I think it's because most people are probably going to be picking Josh Parisian to, to pull off this upset. Um, it's a fight where I probably will just blindly not care who I get. I'll get exposure to this fight. I'm telling you what now, like they're both bad. They're both bad. And Mays on the feet has power, has strong combinations, can test the chin of Parisian and and wobble him and possibly knock him out. We saw um, we saw Parker Parker Porter have some success on the feet against Josh Parisian. Um, the volume is a, a scary thing, and the volume of Parisian can end up you know resulting in a uh, in a decision win. Obviously, if he gets a takedown as well, that's probably his safest path to victory. But I'm picking Mays to win the fight. I hate the fight. Prioritize it. Don't care who you get. My concern with Dante Mays is if he can't get the finish in the yeah. you know first eight-ish minutes or so, where would that gas tank be? And, and as I've thought about this fight all week, P, I just I just feel like it's either a knockout by Dante Mays in our first round, or it's a fifteen-minute decision win for Josh Parisian. Yeah, I mean, Mays can get finished though. So of the underdogs, Parisian will probably be top three most popular i would believe just because yeah. it seems like a volatile fight that's gonna end within 15 given the, the nature of the division and how lowly skilled these guys are so we'll see it's it's the low end of the ufc heavyweight division no question for about sure. it. then for sure. the first fight of the night uh, we've got jordan levitt taking on matt sells a 200 for jordan levitt eight thousand for matt sells i mean look we we know the deficiencies of jordan levitt we don't have to really go into it you know, look, he's got to get the fight to the ground. He, the, the striking level just isn't there. But then on the Matt Sells side of the equation, returning from injury, and uh, let's just say it looks like he's had to cut a lot of weight to get down to, to make a 155 here. Yeah, he's got he's got to uh, make the weight first, which I think is going to be a, a pretty big struggle. I've been paying attention to a lot of these fighters on their social media, and, uh, you know, Matt Sales has had to overcome a lot within the past year and a half, uh, suffering an ACL tear and and overcoming that and dealing with all the treatment and physical therapy for that is is very difficult and you know it used to be where if somebody suffered an acl tear they were never the same uh but there are some fighters like a dominic cruz who have shown that they can go out there and you know get back to being themselves a little bit uh, i think that the deficiency of matt sales is if he's get if he gets put on his back the inactivity scares me as well because you're battling and having to overcome so many things uh you know, ring rust, which it's more mental than anything. Um, just being under the lights and kind of like having momentum and, and, you know, just being acclimated is extremely important. And Jordan Levitt has been extremely active. He's a part of a strong camp. 
He's not having to deal with so much adversity. He has an extremely strong grappling game, which I think is what can expose Matt Sales. And, you know, you have seen Matt Sales get submitted against Bryce Mitchell. Obviously, Bryce Mitchell, I think, is one of the most unique grapplers within the division. But it's a it's an, an avenue of success that Levitt should exploit. And Jordan Levitt losing to uh, Claudio Puelas, I think, is less about Levitt and more about Puelas. And we, we did see Puelas is extremely strong in a grappling realm. So Levitt will strike as much as he needs to, and will probably get picked apart on the feet for Matt Sales. But I have question marks regarding Sales' cardio, all the adversity, the weight cut, and his grappling. So I'm, I'm going with Jordan Levitt, and I'm not really too torn on this fight, even as volatile and untrustworthy as both of these fighters are. Yeah, man. It, it, with Jordan Levitt, it's just a concern of if this fight doesn't hit the ground, he's in trouble. I think it will, though, because he's going to try to force it. Uh, at least just pull, guard. just pull guard. Just pull guard. I would like that, too. I, I really would. Um, and, you know, he, he got two takedowns against Claudio Puelas, one against uh, Matt Wyman. I mean, that was just a crazy slam finish. But the, the two against Claudio Puelas, I think, really speaks volumes on how he can take majority of people down and, you know, impose some top control and en route to finding some unique submission win. So uh, I know it didn't happen against Puelas, but I think it'll happen here against Matt Sales. Let's give our uh, straight up... Uh... Fight picks here, not DFS related. I'll go up here first. I will go Dawkins. I will give me Wonder Boy. Uh, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. Angela Hill. Okay. Uh, Ricky Simone. Give me Gamrock. Give me Swanson. Amir Shark. Barcelos. Tafa. Eubanks. Jordan. Don't feel great about it. Uh, I will go Chase on with the upset. Uh, give me Mays. Give me Levin. Okay, I'm going uh, Chris Dawkins, Bilal Muhammad, Amanda Lamosh, Ricky Simone, Mateusz Gamrot, Cub Swanson, uh, Gerald Mearshart, Howney Barcelos, Justin Taffa, Sajara Eubanks, Charles Jordan, Raquel Pennington, Dante Mays, and Jordan Levitt. I think the, we'll have to see, man. The yeah. underdogs, I feel like it's going to be very few that come through, but you never know. Of course, if you like what you're seeing here, be sure to hit that thumbs up button. Hit that subscribe to Awesome right here on YouTube. Of course, coming up after us will be the NHL Strategy Show. The guys will get you ready for tonight's NHL slate. And if you listen to us on the podcast channel, leave us a five-star rating review. We really would appreciate that. That does help us out a ton. Uh, mention, uh, we'll get to uh, Samuel Super Chat as we end the show here. His usual questions here. So uh, top two GPPs, underdogs, and uh, MVP slash champion. Uh, in terms of cash in this situation, um, I would go Gerald Mershart as my number one. My number two would probably be... Ooh, um, prob probably Dawkins. All right, so if we're doing cash, I want to limit volatility, and uh, I know it's a volatile weight class, but Justin Taffa, I think this is going to be an easy victory here, even though it's a 9,400 price tag. Um, and then I will say Ricky Simone, just given the floor that that he'll present to you with, with strong takedowns and top control. It's not an easy fight by any means, but I, I think that he can do enough. Yeah, in terms of GPPs, I would go Tafa and Mearshart. Simone would be right there too with the takedown potential. Yeah, I think Simone's there and Barcelos to me. Like those are the two 
that I love within the 9,000 range. I think Mearshart's three for me. Lamosh and Thompson are two of my least favorite. In terms of uh, top 200 dogs, I'm looking at Angel Hill and Mason Chase on. I am looking at Bilal Muhammad. And if I have to pick another one, I guess I'll go Melissa Gatto. MVP uh, uh, champion situation. I, I think you got to look at Ricky Simone, if he, especially if he can get this fight to the ground. If not, Mearshart, uh, Tafa stick out to me. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, I like fighters fighting, debuting fighters, despite having a poor performance. So Honey Barcelos is a guy that I'll, I'll probably be a little bit over the field on. I know his volume wasn't the best, as our buddy Hunter mentioned in chat. But I think it's, you know, styles make fights, and Timur Valiev is a, a very difficult fighter to fight. So we'll have to see. All in all, I'm excited for the card. We love you guys. You guys are the best. Appreciate your support like crazy this year. You guys have been great. If you like the show, you know, hit the like button if you don't mind. Subscribe to the channel. Leave us a comment on the video. We'll get back to you. We love you guys a lot. So thanks again. Favorite inside the distance, all three heavyweight fights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> leave a simple in there. Blanket statement. I like it. Uh, phase of the night. Um, I, I don't think there, if I was, I don't think there is a fight. I would fade at all on this. What card. would you fade? What would you fade? Maybe you bank Scotto. If you doesn't, if it stays up on the feet, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, perhaps the Chasson Pennington fight because could be won and, and lost in the clinch and could be a lot of wall install control time. Uh, favorite props. Muhammad via decision, I think, is one to look at. And his over-under number on finishes, we got 14 fights, five and a half. I think it's close. I, that's a good I, I, think, line, I think that's a good number. Hey, Sam, what are you, like one for 50 now with good lines? Um, <laughs> I'll say over, but barely. Um, yeah, I'll say over, too. But I'm with you. I, I think it's 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 right. It's in that five, six, seven range. It's 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 somewhere in that range. Yep. So that is gonna do it for us. Thanks to our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. Coming up next is the NHL Strategy Show. Myself and Pete will be back on Saturday for live before locks. So hopefully, everyone has a great day. And we will talk to you on Saturday for live before lock. Have a good day, everybody. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.